Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Film Photography Podcast Analog Talk. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And we have a special guest today. We have Nate Matos. Say hi, Nate. Hello. So on this episode, I thought we'd chat about some current events that have been going on. We have a, a lot that's been happening in the news recently, so I thought we should just talk about that. So let's get into it. Nate, can you tell our listeners a little bit of your background and how you got started and all that stuff? Uh, yeah. So I just I just actually, over the summer, like a month ago, I turned 30. So that's kind of like a big milestone. Welcome. For Welcome to it's the weird. club. Every, everybody I work with is like, oh, 30 is nothing. Just wait to hit 40. And, yeah. Right. Oh, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm 30. I'm from Portland, Oregon. I've been here my whole life. Got started with photography, I think, like a lot of people did in high school when, you know, had to get those credits somehow and got signed up for a uh, for a darkroom class and I, I clicked a lot with it at first and then ended up just kind of screwing off the rest of the class and I don't <laughs> I, I don't yeah, think I actually right. ended up passing uh, which I believe is almost impossible to do to not pass a art class in high school uh, but I managed and then the photography for me just kind of sat by the wayside until um, until I turned 18 and got a digital SLR for a birthday gift and that um, really got me started down a path um, that I continued on for the last uh, 12 years or so through that there's been a lot of you know self-discovery within what I'm looking to do and what I want to do you know when I when I had my digital camera, when I was more in that realm, it was a lot of, you know, what what was kind of the flavor of the week. It was like, oh, let's let's look into studio lighting and, hey, let's work with models. And it was just mm. all this stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as I've transitioned and as I've grown, I've, I've really refined what it is that I want to do with photography, uh, what I want to get out of photography and what I want to give back with, with my photography. So, yeah, that's, that's the brief, brief story of me. Man, like that. I like that a lot. That's awesome. <laughs> so I'll ask the big question. What do you guys think of the new Polaroid Originals that launched last week? Uh, me, personally, I, I felt like when when we did our last week's episode about, you know, Impossible Project and whatnot, I, I just knew in my heart that it was going to be a rebrand. I basically, I mean, right? It's just kind of a rebrand. It, yeah. It, yeah. But there's also, I mean, a, a new formula and a new camera, which I... I wasn't expecting the camera, so I was kind of really stoked on that. I think the biggest surprise for me was actually the price. Yeah. Um, I, for anyone who follows me on Twitter, it's it's been no secret that I haven't really been a fan of a lot of what Impossible's done <laughs> yeah. over the past yeah. few years. Um, and a lot of that comes from the community aspect of it, which is really fallen by the wayside. It's unfortunate. But yeah. that's just the way things are as companies grow. I do understand that. But to see 30, 25%, 30% reduction in film prices, um, to see them finally hit that $2 per shot price right. with the iType film. And then also with the camera, I mean, a sub $100 camera, I mean, to be frank, I know that the i1 was really uh, their CEO Oscar's kind of pet project, uh, but this to me feels like the camera that they really should have started with. Right. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I love how it looks. It looks, I mean. Yeah, they did a great job with the design, uh, the functionality of it, the features that it provides. Uh, the I- sample images I've seen have been, for being a, you know, a really basic camera, the sample images have been pretty good. Yeah. I just picked up a roll of the film today. I haven't gotten a chance to shoot it yet. 
but I'm so excited just because from what I've seen, it's been really impressive. Yeah, the pictures look great from what I've seen on Instagram and stuff like that. Now, with the camera, do you know if if it's got like the app functionality like the the other film, the other camera they have does? Because I know you can do a lot of manual stuff with an app. This is fully within the camera itself. Uh, The app functionality, they they got rid of it. You know, it's it's a true point and shoot. I think they, they took a lot of inspiration, obviously, physically with the camera, but also with the ideas behind it. So you you have the one button. You do have a light and darken mode, but it's basic. Yeah. Yeah, and the battery's cool. the battery's built in, so it's not in the pack, which mm-hmm. I imagine is why the price is so much better because they don't need to. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A, you know, a battery in each shot. So that's pretty cool. I'm I'm excited. I pre-ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did? I didn't. I didn't realize yeah, you pre-ordered it. I pre-ordered it, oh, that's it. Cool. like the the day the day of because whatever. <laughs> I've been I've been trying to see if I can get my hands on one for Policon in a few weeks uh, down in Texas, but it, it's not looking not looking good. What's Policon? No. What is that? Pol- Policon. So this is the second year. The first year was last year, and it's in Denton, Texas, which is about thirty minutes outside of Dallas. There, it's a weekend long event. It always kicks off with uh, going to the Texas State Fair, eating lots of fried foods, you know. Uh, but then throughout the, it's kind of a three day weekend thing. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there's uh, there's photo walks. Um, there's talks and kind of panel discussions. I'm giving a talk myself. Um, oh, no way. They have, uh, there's a camera store there called the Denton Camera Exchange, which is pretty exclusively film photography. Mm. And so Armand, who owns Denton Camera Exchange, he uh, last year he came out and they were shooting 8x10 Impossible Portraits. Um, for, oh, wait, so, I think just, I remember this. Just the cost of film, which was really cool. You know, he had the camera set up and all the lighting and everything, and it was 20 bucks a shot. And, um, yeah. A lot of fun. Lot I of think fun. I, so rem- I remember down. seeing stuff about this last year. Yeah, there was the the instant the instant photo show or whatever that podcast was called i know you i don't know if you did you were you on that show the instant uh, i was i was on it once or twice yeah yeah i remember them talking about it at one point when they were still doing their show so that's cool that it's still going on i love hearing that yeah i wish i had known about it i would try to yeah i would have definitely taken off of work <laughs> good thing is you know it's dallas it's one of those airport hubs so flights that's are always really cheap yeah, yeah and you said right. you said you're you're speaking yeah oh that's awesome yeah, uh, I gave a talk last year on self-publishing, and so this year it's kind of taking it the going the next step with that and with your work and how to present it and how to get it out there and distribute it. Awesome. Does that does that mean you're doing Seraph and Silver Part Two? Is that what that? <laughs> uh, no, it, it doesn't. Uh, at least not yet. Oh, uh, I, I've got other yeah. projects. I'm actually um, as soon as we're done recording this, I got to head downstairs and start putting together. I have three new uh, publications that I'm releasing at Policon. There's there's going to be a zine swap, uh, zine fair type thing going on there. So that'll be a lot of fun. That's amazing. So is that is that going to be like the the little zines you've been making? Is that kind of um, what that is? Or, or no. These... So, so these uh these will be eight and a half by five and a half, so half sheets uh, oh, or half cool. sheet size. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you know, trying something new with these ones. Always every year it seems I kind of reset and pick a new project. So this might, I don't know if, if this means I'm going to continue with this or if I'll be put these out and then you won't see me for 12 months, <laughs> six, six and one at this point. Man, it's so funny how that goes. Cause I, I just, ah, man, I, I mean, I've been watching your YouTube career for, for years. You know what I mean? You were like one of the only people doing this back in the day. And <laughs> No, really. I mean, you were the only person that <laughs> I, I mean, and, and it's funny because I was rewatching some of your newer videos where you talked about the whole Seraph and Silver and you said, oh, I wish I could remember what you said exactly, but you were kind of like, you know, you go out, you shoot about two frames and then 
those pictures kind of just like once you post them on your, you know, Instagram or Flickr or something like that, they kind of just dissolve. And that's kind of why you did the whole Seraph and Silver thing was just to, you know, make your work seen and kind of let it live on. And that's kind of what I've what I've been doing lately with my stuff is just kind of making mini projects or little zines to kind of just keep this thing on. Cause like the, the Instagram thing, you know, you post a picture, you get your likes, it's, it's dead. You know, that picture has mm-hmm. gone. I just like that a lot better of, you know, printing your work and having a story along with it and kind of just, you know, keeping it, keeping it alive. For sure. Say, yeah. Printing your work for me is, has kind of become the, the, the reason why, uh, for a long time there, it, it felt like I was lost and I wasn't really sure, you know, you, you take all these pictures, but what's, what's the point right, do you do with them? Right, 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 right. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. I just, I just went on a trip. I just got back from Boston and I was just, t- before we started recording, I was telling Timothy how I felt like so unmotivated. Like I was in mm-hmm. a new area and a new place. And it was like, and then, you know, you start to feel guilty because you're not shooting. And it was just like, you know, you kind of like need to like keep yourself energized or like motivated or inspired and stuff. It's rough. I was just going to say, it, it's funny. Um, it's funny you mentioned Boston. My, the very first thing I ever published was was this really quickly done blur book called Last Minute Boston. Um, I went there years ago, seven years ago. And same thing. Brought all these cameras. I brought Super 8. I brought yeah, digital. I, I brought so much Polaroid. <laughs> I ended up, we were there for a week. And, and over the first three days, I ended up shooting like four pictures or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was lying in, in bed at the hotel room, like on the third night. And I just I was like, oh, what's what's going on Craigslist? And I um, there was someone set, clearing out a whole bunch of camera equipment. They were selling a Loma LCA for $15. And I was like, well, you know. It's at, at the time I was buying lots of cameras and collecting cameras yeah. and doing like kind of seeing, trying to find my groove. And so I was like, for 15 bucks, I'm, I'll give it a shot. I went over there um, to pick it up the next morning and, and they actually ended up having like tons of Nikon equipment for sale as well. But I was in such a hurry. I didn't get a chance to oh, look at it. No. I'm sure it was, no. sure it was really cheap. But um, anyway, so I, I picked that up and then over the, the remaining, you know, three and a half, four days, I, I shot tons and tons, which is that one camera. I always had it with me in my pocket. And there was something about it that just kind of worked for me and got got me shooting again. Yeah, so it's was... interesting how it could be like one thing, like a new camera or like like a new type of film or like mm-hmm. or like maybe even like thinking, oh, I'm going to turn this into a book. I'm going to make this a project. Like having an end goal even sometimes could like kickstart the inspiration back again. But man, it mm-hmm. sucks when you're in the rut, man. This was yeah. not fun for me to be <laughs> like, you know – 3,000 miles away in a gorgeous city with all this history. I'm just like, I don't feel like it, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm sure, you know, it comes and goes. It'll be back. Man, the rut is such a, I don't know, man. It, I feel like sometimes I waste so much film when I'm in the rut. I'm just trying to push myself to do something that's just not there. Like, I don't know if it's better to do that or worse. I I, know, I still haven't figured that out because out of out of all those pictures in the rut, I, I found something else. Like I was, okay, I was trying to shoot a project and I picked the project before I started shooting it. I was like, this is what I want the theme to be. Mm-hmm. And I always kick myself in the butt when I do that. Like for some reason, if I shoot for something, it doesn't, it's not that it turns into something else. And I don't, I put myself in like a big, like three month rut last year trying to shoot for a book that never you know, it was just a cool idea for a second and then but something else was born out of it. So well, that's good at least. It's better to like at least be in a rut and have something to show at the end versus like uh, 
I still kind of look at that project that was born out of it and still think it was kind of like a sloppy seconds kind of <laughs> feeling. And I, and I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know if I should have just taken a break or I don't know. I, I still, I'm still kind of confused with that whole, what to do when I'm in that mode. Yeah. I think it's important to keep shooting. I mean, my, the, the series of four publications I put out last year, landscapes, every single one of those was, uh, was born out of a, a very similar situation where it was, mm. it was the photographs that I was taking when I wasn't trying to shoot anything. And then as I'm, you know, going through my archives and looking at these hundreds and hundreds of images that were just, at the time of, of really nothing, uh, you start to see yeah. patterns. And then through those patterns, larger concepts start to develop and manifest mm. themselves. And, and I, I, that's when I put out that work and it ended up, uh, ended up doing really well. That's awesome. Now the the new ones you're working on are this are they exclusive for the convention or are you gonna, con. yeah uh, or are you gonna no, sell them? I'll I'll have them up on my website. I wasn't able to get uh, get as many produced in the amount of time, so I'm just I'm doing a soft release in Texas, um, and then after I get back, so in October I'll put them up for sale. That's awesome. I feel like that's like the one thing I have left to tackle is is a zine. Timothy's been bugging me forever. <laughs> It's it's a it's a good project. There's a lot of self reflection that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's really just the the process that I I tend to enjoy. Um, I have I have my standard workflow, which you know it's like you go and, and you compile all these images that you think, hey, there might be something here. And then for me anyway, I get each one printed out just really really cheap at like Walgreens. They have or Rite Aid or CBS, they have sales all the time where it's like 10 cents for a four by six print. And so I just, I'll, I'll come back with this giant box of, you know, 200, 300, four by sixes and just spread all of the photos out mm. anywhere mm-hmm. I can and just start putting stuff together and moving around. And, and that physical act of matching photos up and really working with your hands is, is really, it's really relaxing. At least that's a really great idea. That Now that's something I, I could see myself like getting motivated because of that. Like just to like t- tangibly hold them all and like, you know, figure it out like a puzzle. That's really mm-hmm. smart. Yeah. And, and, you know, quite frankly, it's like computers are great and I wouldn't be able to do half of the things I do with myself publishing without them. Right. But for organizing large batches of photos like that and trying to figure out what belongs together, there is absolutely no better way to do it. Or like pin them to the hands. wall or something. Like stick, yep. stick, yeah. That's cool. Exactly. Ooh, you got my mind thinking now. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like I heard you explain that process before, maybe on like Matt Day's podcast or yeah. your podcast, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's kind of what, you know, that's what I started doing too. And I feel like you learned so much about your work or and yourself doing that too, because you get to really see it. Nothing is better than seeing a print in person rather than, you know, your beautifully backlit cell phone or your beautifully backlit <laughs> mm-hmm. Macintosh computer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's almost cheating when it's on your screen because it just looks so good. And then you get to really, especially if you print big stuff, like me starting to print like 17 by 22s at home, I can really see how bad I am sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just like, wow, that is really out of focus. But it looks so great as a, you know, an Instagram photo. Like, right. I never would have known that if it was, you know, if I wouldn't have seen it big, like, I don't know. I just love that whole, the whole printing process from prints to books to all that stuff. I feel like it's, that's definitely where I've taken my photography. Like I've gone from like trying to shoot engagement photos and all that stuff to just being solely personal unless it's like, I mean, do you do any of that stuff? Do you do like engagement photos or anything like that? No, no, no. no. Yeah, I didn't didn't think so. You know, it's, I think, I think, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a broken record here. I have the same like three stories that I tell. And I'm sure I've told this one before somewhere. Um, when, I, when I was a kid or when I was a kid, when I was younger, 
I, I got a job at a mechanic shop because I, I was really into cars. You know, we mm-hmm. I was the, I was the kid in high school who was, you know, street racing on the weekends um, and thought he was Paul Walker. Ooh, fast nice. and furious. Um, <laughs> too fast, too furious. Yeah, that, that was us. That was <laughs> every time a new Fast and Furious movie came out. We were there opening that with all our cars nice. thinking we were hot shit. Um, anyway, I, I, you know, I was really into cars. And so I thought it's like, oh, hey, I love I love working on it at home. I'm going to love working on it for a profession. And I absolutely hated it. Um, mm. And so I've ever since then, I've drawn a very distinct line between what makes me happy personally and what I do professionally. So no, I, to answer your question, I stay away from uh, portraiture yeah. like that and uh, events, Same weddings. Here. Yeah, it's interesting how you were talking uh, in the beginning about like finding your your niche or like what your work is going to be. Like even in my career, it started out with portraits and kids and bands. And then, you know, when I went to school and got out of school, I started, you know, shooting the weddings and the engagements and the baby photos. And it just didn't make me happy. So yeah, I, I moved 3000 miles away from home to come to LA to, <laughs> to be on set and photograph actors and behind the scenes. And it's just so much more fulfilling. But it's so funny to like, you know, to, if you could spread out all that work over the course of 10 some years just to, from the beginning to the end to be like, well, it doesn't look anything alike, which is which is kind of a good thing, I think, just to, mm-hmm. you know, think of your work like always changing or finding what makes you happy, I guess. I totally agree. And it's like, as photographers who reference other photographers' work, especially, you know, you look at some of the bigger ones that everyone knows, just, just to use a common name, Ansel Adams, we have the benefit of looking back through a very curated lens we don't see all of the other photos that didn't work out for him. Whereas yeah. within our own work, that's all we see. Right. It's very um, true. And so it's, it becomes a lot harder when you're down in the trenches, but looking back, even like you were just saying on the past, you know, decade or so, you can see these themes start to develop in your own work. And really that's, that's where I actually end up getting most of my satisfaction out of, because if I focus too much on the current, uh, I just end up frustrated. Mm-hmm. Man, I love that. That just got me so pumped right there <laughs> hearing that because like I, I've been going through just trying to get this new I want to get a, a new zine little zine put together by you know, the, the holidays, just because I have so much collecting, like I'm just gathering so much stuff I shoot, you know, a roll every couple days, and I'm trying different cameras and just like doing all kinds of different stuff. And I have all this work that but just hearing you say that we see the you know, basically the B sides of the work and, and just seeing all that I'm just like scrolling through my Lightroom catalog i'm like man i am so awful (laughs) and then i'll look at my like instagram and i'm like i'm not that bad because it's like all cherry picked you know what i mean and like but when you see like pictures that i never thought would work together like you know what i would think is a crappy picture at the time just kind of like matching that up with something else later is just it's 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 wild i don't know it's just but yeah you know we're seeing all the collated work of all the greats and stuff like that so that i would love to see there their b-sides <laughs> yeah the point like is- robert frank's b-sides right now i want to <laughs> i want a book of that so nate do you think um do you'll ever get back into the, the podcast i know we i was a fan i'm sure a lot of our listeners were a fan as well <laughs> oh yeah big time you know it's funny i get uh i get asked that I, probably once a month i'll get like a random twitter instagram message you know at, at the time we started it because there was we we felt there was a need mm-hmm. um, yeah for that and Honestly, it's 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 not the case anymore. There's there's podcasts like like this one, like uh, Matt Day's podcast. Um, there's there's a whole bunch more out there. Sunny sixteen is another one. Yep. Uh, yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of great content out there now, and we were happy to do it at the time. And I don't want to 
step on anyone's toes. I'm happy doing my own thing these days. Well, thank you for being a pioneer <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> well, no, cool. I mean, you you definitely were around right at the moment that I needed you because I was doing that whole, not to get all mushy, but it was, it was just like that time where I was you know, angrily shooting digital and always behind the times with digital photography, you know, and just your your old YouTube channel, the whole PD Exposure show that you did and stuff like that, which, which yeah, I just feel like you were so ahead of the time at that time. You know what I mean? Like you were bringing yeah. something and reviewing cameras that, you know, just just really cool stuff that like wasn't in my vocabulary at the time. So it was just like really cool. I definitely thank you for doing everything you've done for the community because I mean, you're one of the sole reasons I'm like an avid film photography person now, you know Aww. what I mean? Like, and thank I'm you. thrifting that, and goodwilling <laughs> and, that, you know. That, you know, that, that really means a lot. It's, it's the same thing. It's at the time you don't really realize what you're doing and it's only when you look back that uh, everything kind of comes into focus. Um, yeah. The film photography community as a whole, um, and even the wider photography community has, has seen such an interesting growth path over the last, you know, five, 10 years. And I, I feel like it's kind of settling down, not that it's slowing down, not that the interest is waning, but the, the sporadic chaos of, of like 2010, 2011 isn't there anymore. And, and overall, I, I, while I'm a little bit nostalgic for it, I do think it's a good thing because this is where you start seeing like bringing the conversation full circle, Polaroid originals coming around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's things, things aren't no longer in this testing phase. They've got it figured out. The market's calmed down to a point where they can predict it and they know what to, what to expect out of their annual sales and what kind of cameras they want to produce and how many they can produce. Right. Um, it's very exciting. And there's yeah. also, I feel, I feel like a lot happened within the, the those couple days last week. I know Kodak like released something about Ektachrome, ek, right? Ektachrome, mm-hmm. yeah, Ektachrome coming back. Mm-hmm. So that's super exciting. And then like a couple days after that, I think like Yashica teased something. Did you guys see that? Um, I think that ended up just being a smartphone lens, I know. I was so, I'm, I'm still hoping that that's not the case. But I know for for the quality that went into that little promo video that they put out, I was expecting something more. Yeah, and, yeah, for real. And a, so a friend of mine like mentioned because I I thought that too, and I'm sure that's you know it is all it is. But he said they have so much invested, like known in the film photography world, that it would be, you know, if they're gonna come out with a digital camera, that's just kind of crazy. They, I mean, just think if Yashica came out with the T, what would be next? Six? Is there a T six? Yeah, I don't even no, know. No, there's not. But if they did like the T six or the TX, dude, everybody'd be crapping their pants. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, come on. But I get it. I think it was uh, Dave Bias that was just like, once you know these these film companies get a grip, kind of on the production runs, realize that you know they they realize that they need to do smaller runs and kind of just like re you know refigure this whole thing out right. once that gets figured out and there's a market like then we'll start seeing the cameras you know what i mean like new cameras will start rolling out because it's it's an investment. Think about mm-hmm. Leica. You know, I just watched this thing on, I mean, I know it's the M10, but I watched this like behind the scenes of making the M10 and it's like each one of those is handmade. You know what I mean? Like that it's insane what they can do. And like, I feel like the market is almost there for somebody else to come up in an environment like a, like a, to basically just pop up right now with a film camera. Like mm-hmm. there's definitely people that will buy it, but I just don't see it being like an affordable thing. 
because yeah. they're not going to mass produce like, you know, a hundred million point and shoots or something like that because right. it's just right. not no. there. No. And that's, that's all these big business and big places know, you know what I mean? They're just like, we need to make a million units, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So it's, I feel like once they get sales figured out and like all that stuff, I think we'll start to see them in the next couple of years. As long as this thing keeps going, like as long as it, which I think it's going to, I think we're at a part where it's it's moving forward like we're we're getting a bunch of new look at all the new film stocks that came out like just that rolly film Mm -hmm. the ectochrome like all that stuff like it's it's there it's coming it's you know people are are doing it i don't think it's interesting to note that like you know you mentioned new film stocks and and they're legitimately new too for a long time you had lamography for example was constantly releasing quote-unquote new film stocks which were just bulk agfa that they repackaged yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah but this is you know legitimately new formulas i was reading a little bit about ectochrome because you know i shoot i shoot some super eight uh, make some small little films and stuff and from from what i can gather the new ectochrome is it's not a one-to-one from what it used to be they did have oh, to reformulate okay. certain components of it but clearly the investment's there they're taking the time and they're they're putting a lot of effort into it and really coming out with something uh completely new man that's yeah. so cool I, I'm so pumped. I just watched a little thing on it today that they're basically doing like a short run for the end of this year. And then I think 2019 is when it's going to be in like full production of, you know, they're just going to do like spurts, kind of what, what Dave Bias said with the P90. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, run some, sell some, run yeah. some, sell some, you know, and that's that's smart because you don't want warehouses full of this stuff not moving, you know, like you kind of want the, the mystery to be there. I think if they do smaller runs and everybody runs to grab it, it's sold out. Like, you know, we're still just going to be sitting here waiting for it to come out again so we can pounce on it. Like, I don't yeah. know, I think it's a smart little little thing. Have you shot the P30? I did. I, I picked up five rolls. I haven't developed any of it. But it's 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 my own fault, you know. It's it was released kind of right at the cusp of summer, and really, I'm a, I'm a tried and true color guy. Yeah, me yeah, too. that's what I thought. So <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I think I shot maybe one roll, and I haven't developed it. <laughs> yeah, I need to get my hands on that stuff. Uh, the the sample images I've seen are absolutely stunning. It's it's oh, yeah. great tonal quality, great contrast, incredibly fine grain. It looks like really good stuff. Do you develop your own? Uh, I do. I'm like the only one. I, I, I always ask our guests. I'm like, yeah, of course I do. And I'm like, damn, I don't. <laughs> it's, I, I'm sure you hear this all the time, but it's it's super easy. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I have no excuse. <laughs> no, I mean, if you can afford to send stuff out to get developed and that's like your process, like that is totally fine. You don't yeah. have to be like a like a diehard. Do you know how much time I'd save in my life mm-hmm. if I was sending my film out? Like, <laughs> come on. Like, that would be amazing. But I'm just like, it's it's my art and I want it to come from my hands kind of thing. Like, I'm, I don't know. I just want to make sure that it's mine all the way. You know, I don't want it to be credited anywhere else other than me. So I'm kind of stubborn with that. <laughs> I wish I wasn't so stubborn because I would be so much more chilling right now just yeah man just but, drop a roll off and just wait yeah, for it to come back yeah. <laughs> but nope i don't know if you can see like behind me i have three rolls of film four four by five negs that i still need to scan and it's just like i i don't want to i don't want to do it right <laughs> <Yeah>. now <laughs> but you know it is what it is did you have you ever shot ectochrome uh i did a little bit you know i'm i'm actually not a huge fan of slide film uh the only time i like it is again when i shoot super eight and the reason for that is with Super 8, it's, you know, most of the work is, is done d- 
digitally. It, it's a huge pain in the ass to, uh, you know, the, the real benefit is, is projecting it. Yeah. Which I, I guess oh, yeah. the same argument could be made for 35 millimeter, but there's, there's something incredibly nostalgic about projecting Super 8 films, you know, getting out the projector and the screen and, and running it through and the clicking of the noise and the silence of it all as everybody just kind of sits around in the dark and watches this this one thing. And if you shoot any of the color negative film that Kodak produces, which to their credit is, is supposed to be incredibly good, um, in fact, it's supposed to be far better than the slide, but you don't get to project it. You know, you only get to use it within the digital workflow, which is, to me, um, kind of disappointing. Oh, you know, I didn't even think of that. I did not realize that all the movies I watched were on positive film. I didn't realize that until right now. Yeah, you're right. You don't invert it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that easy. <laughs> no, so so for Ektachrome, that, that's the Ektachrome that I shoot. Slide film, I never really liked how it was. I do like when it's reproduced digitally properly, but I was never able to get it to work right. And color negative always just kind of worked for me. It was cheaper. It's cheaper to develop. Yeah. Um, more readily accessible. So um, I may pick up a few rolls to test uh, the new Ektachrome, and I'll certainly buy some of the Super 8. Um, I have five cartridges of, of Super 8 that I bought from B&H's last shipment in 2013 that have been just sitting in my fridge. But, well, yeah. Do you do you post your little Super 8 movies anywhere? I'd love to see those. I don't. They're uh, no. they're kind of just something that I do. Um, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. of them are, are really casual, you know, really done in the style of like vacation movies from back mm. in the day. Um, yeah. Uh, others are more short films, but they just... They hang out with me. So you just you say you just put them, you project them on the wall and like a projector. Uh, yeah, project them on the wall, on the screen, wherever uh, wherever there's room. That's that's awesome. I I um for a friend of mine before I moved to LA, he had me shoot Super Eight uh, for his brother's wedding, and he made this gorgeous, oh, cool. yeah, gorgeous. Let's see if I could find it anywhere. It's got to be on Vimeo still. Um, gorgeous just like you know he had a music and it was went back and forth between the color and the black and white and i was like how did you get it digital and he was like oh i just set up the projector and then film the wall with my digital camera mm-hmm. and i was like oh okay that sounds easy so <laughs> i moved to la <clears throat> got a super eight <sighs> went on craigslist got a projector got my film developed could not get it to work <laughs> like uh, it's, major, it's incredibly difficult such a fail I have like one Instagram picture of like the projector on my counter and like the the wall and it's like a palm tree. I'm like that's the coolest thing that came out of it was this Instagram <laughs> photo of the palm tree on my wall. Yeah. It's it's so expensive to digitize especially it if you is. if you do it at any sort of real quality. There there's a Chinese company, you know there are all those like really cheap uh, film and print scanners that you can find on Amazon for like 30 bucks. Oh yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. it's one of those companies, but they made a Super 8 uh, digitizer. That actually does, it's not a great job, but it does a decent job and it's only 300 bucks, which for really? su- like yeah. the, ch- the cheapest Super 8 digitizer you could buy before this one was released was, I think, 1500 mm. Yeah, there's a yeah. lab, I think, in Burbank, California, here around me. They sell their own film. Like the, you buy the film and it comes with a develop and scan and it's like 120 bucks. Is it a Pro 8 millimeter? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're great. I, that's where I, when I was doing that for five minutes... <laughs> those guys are awesome <laughs> i need to get back into it man that's crazy though so what i think isn't it three minutes like a three minutes cartridge yeah it's about three minutes per cartridge uh you get 50 feet you can shoot at 9 18 or 24 kind of the standard super 8 um frame rates uh with eight 
13 being the uh, truest or the most common. Nine is the one where you get the, everybody's kind of moving around really fast because most projectors projected 18, but people okay. shoot at nine frames per second. And then 24 is, is for more professional work. Only some of the high, really high-end cameras would would operate at that film speed. I'm not sure yeah. why you would shoot at 24 if you're shooting Super 8 at that point. Just go 16 yeah. millimeter. Man, that's crazy. Because I, I got at a flea market or yard sale, I forget what it was. I got a really nice Canon Super 8 with three packs of Ektachrome, like original 60s and or 70s or something like that, mm-hmm. and some Tri-X black and white. And it's just been sitting in my freezer forever because, you know, I don't have the hundred and whatever dollars to get one three minute clip down, you know what i mean yeah. like there was a there was a place around here for the longest time it was like psu photographic systems unlimited they were the only place that you know sold film in this area and they digitized all that stuff and literally the day i went down to talk to him and i was like okay i'll bring it down they're like but we're moving to california and i was like oh all right i guess i'm not and they were cheap it was like 60 bucks for everything they developed it they you know digitized it for you and and then either you could pay a fee to get it back which was weird to me i was like really you have to pay to get it back i guess they throw it away or something i don't know i don't know why i had to pay to get it back but. They, they may have uh they may have been sending it out like a lot of places like if you take your film to walmart they'll send mm-hmm. it out to their main processing center for oh, digitizing okay. and then they throw out all the negatives away and just give you the digital files that makes complete sense i wouldn't even have thought of that uh, you're right if, if you you should totally you i highly recommend shooting it uh it's it's a uh, format that you know it's it's a cousin to photography all the all the principles are still there but working Mm -hmm. within a moving realm is is a very unique challenge and you know you mentioned if you're if you're in a rut it can working within that kind of it's almost like going from 2d to 3d uh, yeah. So working in that different oh, space, yeah. but I would I would strongly recommend because of how expensive it is to process and digitize, buy new film because yeah. I have a feeling you'll be disappointed if you shoot that stuff. In the 70s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I need to just give it away because I, I just that stuff because I was thinking about since Kodak's doing this whole thing because I think when you buy the Ektachrome in Super 8, that like includes the developing yeah. and processing and stuff. So like I'm just probably going to do that if mm-hmm. I do any of it. But. Yeah, that's awesome. I have two Super 8 cameras, so especially when, when Ektachrome comes back around, it'll be, be put to good use. Yeah. Cool. So, Nate, are you going to bring your YouTube channel back around anytime soon, or what's the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no pressure, you know, I, but... I recorded, <laughs> I recorded some videos a few months ago, and I've, I've been... Personally, I've been kind of wrestling with what I'm doing as a photographer, um, I think I you mentioned like, that in the last one of the last couple of videos. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so to summarize for your listeners, essentially, there's there's kind of a an oversaturation within the photographic world right now of photographers who are only talking to other photographers, mm-hmm. and I've been struggling with how to talk to other people um, and trying to figure out the importance of of why we as photographers should be making sure that our messages are are reaching people instead of us just kind of forming this little circle um where, click yeah, yeah where, where nothing ever really escapes uh and so my youtube channel previously where, where i talked a lot about cameras um, and it was a very camera heavy focus that that kind of fell into that realm for me and so i stopped doing those videos because i didn't want to i didn't want to keep contributing to that while I, while i do still appreciate cameras and the engineering that goes into them especially you know you look at some of the the higher end ones and the precision it's it's fascinating to me, and I, I just I'm a I'm a tactile person. My girlfriend 
often makes fun of me because if I get if I get something new, if I get like a, a new pair of shoes or, or what, whatever it is, any mm-hmm. any sort of object, usually what will inevitably happen is I'll I'll just kind of sit there and hold it or have it next to me. Um, so like if I come upstairs, I'm you know, I'm working at the computer, I'll I'll just have it sitting there because for the first week or so, I just I'd like to absorb everything about that object and, and really get an understanding of it. And so with my YouTube channel, I, I really wanted to try and transition it away from just talking about cameras. I understand completely that it's still talking to other photographers because I don't expect, you know, I don't expect people to just watch it who have no interest in photography. W- within that, it's kind of like, I really wanted to just try and open up the conversation. And so the videos aren't coming out in any sort of regular cadence. It's only really when I have um, something that I feel is important to talk about. Also, I, I purchased a digital camera, I, my first digital camera in almost a decade. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask what, what became of that. <laughs> uh, I, I sold it after about three weeks. Uh, I, figured, what did you, yeah, I figured you would. What did you buy? What did, what did I, you buy? What... I bought a Fuji X100F. Uh, oh, those great are great camera. cameras, though. It's, it's a really great camera. It just didn't work for me. Um, yeah. And so, actually, I didn't sell. I traded it to a guy locally who gave me um, gave me a Leica, and, uh, Leica lens and a Sony A6000. And so then I used Man. the A6000 for a little while. Again, really great camera. Um, I made some short little videos with it. My friends and I, a buddy of mine, moved from here in Portland to, uh, like, the middle of nowhere in Idaho uh, earlier in the summer. And so... Me and two other friends, we we drove out there and we surprised him and we went camping for a weekend. We went to the Tetons. It was, it was awesome. So we made this little film um, and we used A6000 for that. And video quality was great. No image stabilization though, which drove me nuts because we we came back and we compiled all the footage. And you know, uh, my friends were shooting with their phones. I had some other stuff that I was doing with my phone. And to be honest, the, the stuff on my phone came out <laughs> damn near just yeah. as good, if not better, mm-hmm. than than the Sony with with a Leica lens on it. But anyway, I sold that recently too. And so I'm, I've I've got just. My two little Leica cameras that I take with me now, and there's a few other things in my camera drawer, but uh, for the most part, those are the only ones that get any use. So yeah, so because because I got rid of that, I, I have a GoPro around here somewhere that I was using to record my videos. Um, but like I sold off, I sold my my microphone, my studio mic away. Um, Whoa. So so now the you know the the trade off with the GoPro when I was making YouTube videos was like yeah the image quality sucks but at least people can hear me pretty clearly. So yeah. Now, so now now the image quality and the audio quality sucks. Um, so I, I don't know. I need to figure out what what I'm gonna do with that. But I, I I do like making videos and I do like talking to people about photography. You know, we in I don't know when this is gonna go live. Um, but on the 29th, so 10 days from now, I'll be in Texas and I'll be talking about self-publishing, um, to other photographers. And so there's, I don't mean to discredit anyone who, you know, speaks to other photographers because us working together as a community to further push the art form is, is incredibly important. And so it's, it's kind of just where do I see myself fitting into that larger right. dialogue? That makes sense. Yeah. I, w- I was thinking that I make YouTube videos about photography too, but I try to come at it it a little bit of a different way, like try to make it a little more, I guess, entertaining. I try to make it vloggy, like, you know, <laughs> like today's like vlog kind of style mm-hmm. of film photography. Like I try to take it with me and not just your, you know, sitting on a chair in my room being like, this camera's cool. You know, like I try to just like, I take that like, as a personal there's... attack. No, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just saying like, like everybody does that video. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, like, you're totally I, right. I trust me. I have like 15 of them on my channel right now, but it's just like, I, I try, I, I try to, I, like you said, I just want to reach people that are thinking about it. Cause I remember when I was searching YouTube for film, like film photography related stuff. And it's just like, I was seeing the same camera review over and over again, just a different person, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, I just, I, I want to catch people that are, you know, Oh, my uncle gave me this 
can an AE one? What can it do? Yeah. You know, and I just don't want it to be the specs, a couple pictures, the end. You know, like I want it to be like, here's me cruising around with it. I'm trying to be creative, you know, and I'm thinking right. maybe if I come at it at a different angle, maybe I'll catch people that aren't so much into film photography or something. Maybe it's just kind of, but still spreading the whole creative message of what, totally. what this, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. No, it's, it's, it's a great point. You know, it's the, the format you mentioned of like, Hey, we're going to just talk about, this is the Canon 81. It came out in 1978. It was Canon's first automatic exposure camera, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's a really hard format to, to it, dig yourself out of, especially when you know, as, as a content creator, you, you, there's a there's an obligation to continually put out new content, uh, be it on YouTube. Or, yeah. Uh, you know, you guys have a regular cadence here with your podcast, uh, even publications or Instagram, any sort of thing. There, there's that expectation, like I have to continually be posting. Uh, yeah. And so, how do you how do you keep doing that when when your whole subject matter is talking about cameras? It's like, well, okay, what's what's the lowest common denominator here? It's I have this camera sitting next to me. I can very easily do seven minutes on the basics of it. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. I'll put it up. I'll turn on ads. I'll make my little revenue, and I'll move on to the next one next week. I think it was the when you did the the PD Exposures show. Like you had something really great there. <laughs> like those episodes, and just I I I forget what what I heard you talk about it on. Again, it was just another thing where I was. I talk a lot. Were so um, yeah, it's... Were you, I think it was Matt. It was probably Matt Day. Like it, it was probably his thing. But you were saying like just the work at that time. Again, you were it doing that at a time where it's not just like dump your files, quick, throw it together, upload it. You know, you were, it was just a different time of shooting yeah. video and stuff like that. So it's, it's just crazy that you were doing the vloggy fun, going out and testing stuff, videos. I mean, before it was just, you had that, like, I loved that show. I was like sitting here. I'm still waiting for like season two of that show <laughs> to pop up. And like, there he is. I knew it was coming back. <laughs> how, how long was it between seasons two and three of Twin Peaks? Cause I think that's about the production oh, yeah. schedule Jesus. looking at. <laughs> yeah. Like 30 years or something. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> okay, so when I'm 60, you know what we'll all come back and do this again and we can talk about it then. uh no that was i mean that that was a lot of fun but yeah from that to like your new i remember when your your first video popped up on your new your new youtube because you're not under the same handle anymore no. you switched over to a different thing and i was just like super pumped that you were coming back at it again like it was such a good because you, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you have a lot of knowledge on this stuff, especially with like just doing the the Seraph and Silver like project. You know what I mean? Like that, that's huge. That's a big project. You know what I mean? And like, mm -hmm. I feel like it was very successful. I don't know if it was very successful, but from like thinking about me selling my books on Blurb to like you selling your <laughs> books on Blurb, I'm sure it was like a, a, a significant difference. But that was a that was a hard project. Um, I. I've never had more respect for like strict publishing schedules than I had yeah. when I was doing that. That was, That's I mean, it cool. was, it was every, every issue, uh, every issue sold out, which I wasn't expecting myself. That's great. Um, I mean, granted the, the production ones were huge. The biggest one was the second issue at 100 copies. Um, still even great. so it was, it was very, very pleasant, uh, pleasant experience. I just like, I kind of like the, the real aspect that you come at. That's basically what I was saying at. There's like this new, like realness to your new channel. And especially the last like couple that you did where you were just like, you could tell you were burned out from like scanning and, you know, <laughs> doing all this stuff. And it's like, dude, I am right there with you sometimes. You know what I mean? When yeah. I was watching those, I was like, holy crap. Okay. I'm not the only one that feels this way. So it was cool that you were just like, I'm just going to try this digital camera for a minute because I do 
you not want to deal with this right now? Right. Like, that's kind of how I took that. And I, I feel that way, too, where I'm, again, just so stubborn with my photography, where it, like, has to be me that's developing it, me that's scanning it, me that's also extremely burned out of doing that all the time because I want to go to the movies. I want to go to the movies tomorrow night, but I got a ton of film to develop. You know what I mean? So like, I, I don't know if I can it's, make it. Like, you know, photography as an art, art form is incredibly repetitive and, and I'm sure I'm looking at this as, you know, the grass is always greener, but like painting it's, it, the, the, the painting is new every time. Mm-hmm. And while the, while the photos are new, the process to get there is, is incredibly uh, monotonous. Uh, right. you know, taking the photos is fun. Reviewing the photos is fun, but it's everything in between. That's just horrible. Um, and, and I appreciate what you, what you, you know, just said about my, my more recent YouTube videos. I, I feel like, and even as I, I'm talking now and I can hear it in my own voice, I don't feel as decisive as I used to when we were doing PD exposures, you know, it's, it's, it was very easy for me to form an opinion about a camera, but now I feel like I'm just talking into the void and leaving all these questions unanswered. And I, I know that I'm not solving them for myself. Um, so I don't know how anybody who's watching is able to get to any sort of conclusion on their end. Um, so that, that is nice to have some positive feedback, uh, especially with YouTube. YouTube is just the worst for feedback. Yeah. Oh my oh, God. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, I like shy away from it because of that. Oh, I'm sure. It's just like, you know, I just don't understand. I don't understand what the point of being a troll. Like, well, I don't know what enjoyment people get out of that. <laughs> And it sucks when you, like, especially they put all this time into forming an idea and having an opinion and, like, you know, creating the content and then putting it up and then somebody just rips it down. It's like, all right, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) Yeah. It's rough. I'm sensitive, though. I'm sensitive, so. I remember I I said something. I think it was, like, my Veronica review. I was like, oh, there's no bulb mode. I am still getting, to this day, I get, well, there's a bulb mode if you switch the lens to this and you do that. And I'm like... Man, I've, I I I know, yeah. but I just was saying that there's no like click click bulb mode. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what I was trying to express. Like I'm not disgracing the Veronica brand. Like just please, like yeah. it's yeah, it's yeah. YouTube is crazy. No, no one no one is faster to correct you than if you post a YouTube video. Like mm-hmm. if if you ever yeah. want to figure out what you're doing wrong, post a video on YouTube where you <laughs> yep. think you're right, and yep. you'll easily figure out what's going on. Man, it always cracks me up when uh, Matt Day does like he'll post like a comment that he got. So he did that entire video on like if you want to do YouTube videos, that's great. I totally you should do it. But this is what's coming along right, with it. Right, when, right, you right. know what I mean? Like it takes a, a couple layers of skin to, to hit upload <laughs> on a YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. So, Nate, this this question comes from our listeners. We've been asked to ask every guest <laughs> what is if you can pinpoint it to one most people can't i never can uh what's your favorite camera and why yeah i it's yeah <laughs> yeah exactly. I'm, I'm laughing because you, you know as as you you know asking it it's, it's yeah. a little bit of a loaded question favorite camera for me I'll, I'll just default to the camera that that i end up using the most often and that i've had the longest which is uh my leica m6 it's i found that i i shoot without regard for frame frames or costs or anything i just just take 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 it so i've used um, a whole bunch of cameras over the years pentax 67.2 would probably be a close second but the problem with that is as kind of we were just talking about it's like you only get 10 frames per roll right and so Mm -hmm. your costs rise dramatically takes so much longer to scan and yet the image quality is better but i just don't have the patience for it so like it's a a beast um, it's huge oh it's 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 a workout i think yeah my right arm is noticeably larger than my left just (laughs) around for a couple years Um, oh that's so good (laughs) 
but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's incredibly compact. It's precise. It works. I know it's going to work. You know, the, people, people understandably say the Leicas are expensive, which I'm not going to argue against because they absolutely are. But the, the, the two things that I always, I always feel like I have to mention as almost as like an asterisk or as, you know, an, an addendum is that number one, you can use it for a decade and probably sell it for exactly what you paid for it. Provided yeah, you yeah. for it. sure. Um, mm-hmm. And number two, if you never saw an, like it will fix it as long as it's a camera uh, you can send if you have one of their very first cameras from the 1920s you can still send it to Leica and they will that's still work wonderful on it. and so for me it's like wow. that peace of mind of knowing that i will be able to use this camera my entire life and it will always be able to be fixed you know there's a lot of like the ishika t4 great camera i've owned three of them they're stunningly three. sharp quick yeah <laughs> um, all right it's all right yeah <laughs> but I always end up selling them because there's this there's this fear that like oh it's gonna break and once it breaks then no one's yeah, gonna actually, point and shoot from the nineties. Speaking of breaking, I I, didn't, I don't think I told you Timothy. Um, I brought my Shiga Two Four to Boston and it rewound mid roll, which I had it uh, fixed mm. twice for that. And I think I think I just need to put it to bed. I don't know what to do. Yeah, dig out an old shoebox from the closet. I know I'm gonna like it and bury it in, in the, the backyard. Backyard at Memorial. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so sad. Uh, I mean, I have a T5, but yeah. I, for, to your I thought point, you had two of those for some reason. I don't know why. No, but this is the second one that's broken. And my repair, I have a repairman. He's like the only person that I've, you know, because I, you know, sent out a bunch of emails and everybody's like, oh, yeah, definitely send it in. Like I had one guy be like, oh, wait, no, it's a Shika T4. I can't do anything with that. <laughs> so he's the only guy that will will still, I'm going to bring it in. But it's, it's the second time it's broken down in the same way. It's, it. it's just heartbreaking. You know, it is. It's like, it's like, it it's is. like an old pet, you know, it's like yeah. you know that eventually the pet's going to die before you do. But there's nothing you can do to stop it, and it just it hurts every time. That is so. Mm. That's such a good analogy, and it's so true. Oh my god! I love that about the Leica, though. I, a lot of people get all poopy about that because they, uh, you know, they, it's a very expensive camera. But you are paying for, like you said, 150 years of owning this, and and even giving it down to like your children mm-hmm. or you know a family member after you're gone and stuff like that, like. I, I've been waiting to pull the trigger on the whole Leica thing. You know, I just haven't found my deal yet. You know, everybody finds their, you know, finds the time and I just haven't gotten there yet because mm-hmm. I, I like trying different cameras and I feel like if I'm going to get and invest in a Leica, like I need to really chill out on shooting, <laughs> you know, 15 different cameras a week right. because yeah. it's, <laughs> you know, I, so I'm just, I like that answer. It's a good one. The, the thing I do always like to mention when I talk about like is, is that yes, they're great cameras and people always talk about, um, about like the lens quality and oh, it's, it's, they have this 3d effect and the images are so lifelike and it's, it's all a bunch of wank. Um, the, yeah. the, the lenses are good, but you know, honestly, they're, they're no better than a comparable Nikon lens. It's, it's a great system. My reasons for buying it though. And anyone's reasons for buying it shouldn't be the image quality. It should be how you feel using the camera. Yeah. That's, that's really what, is most important true very true it feels good you know yeah i just i i never understood that though where like i mean i could see on like a compact camera like it being a different image quality but it's all a hole that takes in light mm-hmm. like it, they all do the same thing <laughs> right. i mean i get the difference between like you know a 50 dollar lens to a 50 or a five thousand dollar lens like there's going to be a difference there but i just never understood that the whole 
you know, it, it, they all do the same exact thing. Yeah. Like, just a little different, you know? I don't, I don't know how the Leica is just a better image because it's a Leica. You know, <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. Because I've seen people that use Leicas all the time. They look just like my, you know, Canon FTB photos. Yeah, it's yeah. like, crap, I think that it's looks like, exactly like, like I shot that. Like like an ex- like a, an experience or whatever, you know, like a luxury. Well, I think you also, yeah, I think you also need to justify in your mind, too, every once in a while <laughs> that I just spent, you know, <laughs> yeah. five yeah. grand on this setup right <laughs> yeah. here. So, hell yeah, these pictures look a lot better than that. <laughs> cool. Well, good answer, Nate. All right, guys, this is a part of the show where we answer a question from one of our listeners. This question comes from Kobe Zavala. Man, cool last name, dude. Okay, he says, what, in your opinion, is the best cheap 120 film camera? Chris, I'm going to start with you. Oh, I was like, I hope he doesn't start with me. (laughs) (laughs) 120, that's, I mean, the only 120 camera I think I own is my Pentax 645, which is, which is. you have a Yashica, don't you? Oh, yeah, my Yashica, my Yashica A. I love that camera. That's a good, a good answer to the question. Uh, When you say cheap, I think like, (laughs) I think like Holga, you know, like. I'm not going to go with the Holga, no. I'll, <laughs> I'll go with the, the Yashica A. It's a very affordable TLR camera. All fully manual. You know, you got to get the, bust the meter out for that one. Um, I really enjoy, you know, the whole looking down aspect of the TLR cameras. Um, waist level. The, waist level, yep. Cool thing about those is those images are square. Um, like, you know, Hasselblad and all that stuff. But I, that's the only one that I own that's that format. So I really enjoy that part of it, too. And I think I get I 12, 12 frames out of that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 12. Do you know off the top of your head what you paid for it? Well, it was a gift from my, my boyfriend. It was a Ooh. Christmas gift, so I don't know. <laughs> Even better. So I don't what want do to think, assume Nate? it was cheap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, this is this is tough. Uh, I, you know, it's, It is. It is. I, I, I've seen this question pop up elsewhere, and it's like, with medium format, you have so many variables that go into it because the cameras vary in terms of how you use them. You know, you can buy mm-hmm. ones that, like the Pentax 6x7, it's, it works essentially just like a regular SLR. It's giant, it's heavy, but if yeah. you can use any other Nikon or Canon, you can use this. And then there's like the 645 series, which are still SLRs, but their form factor is different. You have TLRs, uh, you have range finders, I mean, and then you have all the different formats. Do you want to shoot square? Do you want to shoot... Yep. Wide panoramic, six by seventeen. Uh, do you want to shoot six forty five? It's this is this is always one of the the hardest ones, just because of how many questions I go into it. But I'm actually I'm going to say the same thing as Christine. I think dollar for dollar, you know, um, you can the the more basic ones um, start in the for a really in one that's in good condition. The Yashikas start at like $125-$150 range. Um, mm-hmm. For the newer ones, the 124G, um, if it's mint, you can pay, you know, $300, $350 bucks for it pretty easily. Um, yeah. But incredible quality lenses, full manual control. There's accessories. You can get wide-angle lenses. They have like shoe grips um, if you want to hold them a little bit easier. Some models have light meters built into them that um, you can still use. They're incredibly reliable. Um, as long as you don't have it on X flash and, uh, or M flash and, uh, you use a self timer cause it'll jam up the shutter. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's a, yeah, Christine's totally right. That's, that's spot on, man. So there went my answer as well. Um, I got, it's funny. I'll, 
I'll say about I got my Yashica mat. My now I just have like the plain Jane Yashica mat. It's not the G, the D, the B, the Z. It's not anything crazy. It's just like the OG. <laughs> and I paid eighty nine bucks for it on the Facebook group, and I love that camera. Mm-hmm. No problems with it whatsoever. But I I feel like if you want, man, there's so many cheap options. Like you can like. Like Nate said, there's the Pentax 6.7. You can get the older body for for stupid cheap, like a couple hundred bucks cheap. There you're paying for lenses and stuff like that. But I I always gravitate towards uh, my favorite medium format camera is the RB67. I I never shot an RZ, so I can't really say much about that. But I know they're like twice as much as. But I got the last RB I got came with two lenses, two backs. A different focus screen, a lens hood, you know, mm-hmm. the, the bell, all the bells and whistles for this thing. And I got it for 350. Like that's, that's not bad. That was yeah. everything. And I mean, that's, and, and they're out there. It's not like I got lucky. That's just about what, I mean, yes, there's inflation. There's people that are going to charge $600 for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like there's, there's just that everywhere. You just have to be, I think you can find any camera pretty much at a reasonable price if you just let yourself wait until you see one that is affordable like what you find affordable you know it's easy with ebay you can you can mark your ebay to tell you when a new one of those cameras gets posted so every time i'll get a little notification when like the 15 cameras that i'm waiting for to come up on ebay come up like i'll see and if it's affordable i'll follow it until it gets to the you know the bidding you know the bid race at the end of ebay like I, I think you can pretty much get into it fairly cheap, you know, no matter what. I Everybody always says the Holga. Like, get a Holga if you want to get into 120. Like, it is – that's what I did. I'm not going to lie. That's what I did. I went and got a Holga, and it was awesome. Like, I love the Holga. But you have no control yeah. over the Holga. You, I feel like if you're going to be sinking money into 120 film, you should – get something that you can at least adjust the aperture or the shutter speed or something like you should at least be able to do things with it. Mm-hmm. So like the Yashica mat is definitely probably the cheapest medium format camera there is, is that, I mean, I can't think of anything else that's cheaper than that medium format. I mean, unless you find like a brownie at a flea market or something, yeah. but again, you have no control. Like you just have no control over that. Yeah. I, th- I think you brought up a good point about the whole guy. It's like, I've never looked at it like it was a medium format camera. It to me, it's completely agnostic mm. of any format. Right, it's thirty-five yeah. large format. It doesn't matter. You're you're shooting the Holga not because of the film that it takes, but because of the images that it produces. Exactly. Yeah, and everyone is so different. I I think I have like three of them, and each one yeah. is completely different. Leaks. So you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never, not even the light leaks, just the lens. Like yeah. the the one, the newest black Holga that I have, it, like the soft spot of the lens is in the dead center. Like it's so weird. Everything's sharp on the outside, but the center's dull, you know? Hmm. Like it's just so weird how Holgas are. They're, they're pretty, you know, all over the place. <laughs> it's not really, <laughs> I love them. I mean, I love going out when I'm in like Holga mode and I'm just like, man, this is it. I'm going to go use my Holga. Like it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And I've gotten probably two of my top 10 favorite pictures from a whole oh, wow. So, yeah. Well, that was a great question. Thanks for sending that in, Kobe. And again, everybody, if you'd like to send us a question, we can answer, ask our guests and answer on, on our show. Email us at analogtalkpodcast at gmail or send us a message on our Instagram. We'd love to hear from you guys and we'd love to take a question. So thank you. 
we also like to ask you guys to keep posting photos to our photo challenges. And this week, we want to see everybody's favorite large format photo. So keep in mind, our Flickr group is where you can post those photos. So Analog Talk Podcast on Flickr. We just got our website updated with a new gallery, thanks to our friend Aaron. Um, so they'll be continually updated every week. Um, and this week, again, is going to be your favorite medium format shot to our Flickr group. Large format. Large format. Well, thanks again for joining us, Nate. This has been really awesome. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Good luck on your um, presentation next week. I appreciate it. It's you'll you have know, to let us know how it goes. Start working on it. Yeah, I've got yeah. Uh, I've got all of one half of a field notes page filled out with uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. notes so far. So I've got some work to do. Cool. So we won't keep you any longer. Where can everybody <laughs> check you out? So yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram. It's just my name at Nate Mattis. Uh, on Twitter, it's the same thing, but there's an underscore between my first and last name because. Like right when Twitter started, some some woman in uh, like Venezuela or Nicaragua. That's annoying. She she, she <laughs> took it and she tweeted twice. I've tried like I've tried oh. contacting Twitter. I've tried digging her up on the internet. I've contact like tried contacting her friends. I'm like oh, I will man. pay you for this username, but no no luck. Um, and the website though same thing natemattis.com. That's where you can buy um, that's where you can buy zines and check out some of my work. My Instagram is just kind of like whatever I'm, I'm in the process of, but my my website's where my more curated portfolio is. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. And then for the podcast, guys, we're at analogtalkpodcast.com. Again, you could send us an email and say hello at analogtalkpodcast at gmail.com or analogtalkpod on Twitter, analogtalkpodcast on Instagram. And you can like us on Facebook, analogtalkpodcast on Facebook. And then I'm Crispy Photo on all the things. Um, <laughs> Twitter, <laughs> YouTube, Instagram. Say hello if you feel like it. Um, what about you, Timothy? All right. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Timothy Makeups. And I also make YouTube videos. Um, I realized that I've been telling you guys the address wrong this whole time. <gasps> no. And, uh, <laughs> so no wonder why none of you have come by. But um, no, so it's it's way ridiculously long. So I'm in the process of fixing it. It just takes a little while through YouTube to change your name after you've already changed it once. Uh. But if you want... To find me on YouTube, you can just search either Timothy.makeups or Timothy Ditzler, D-I-T-Z-L-E-R. And then every Monday through Friday, I do a kind of off-the-top-of-my-head podcast on Anchor. It's called We Believe in Film. You can also find that on iTunes. And I think that's it. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks again, Nate. This has been awesome. Yeah, thank you so much, Nate. Yeah, and we'll see everybody in the next one. Bye, guys. See ya. See ya. See ya.